0: Your home is more connected than ever. So when one kid is schooling the competition, Got it. the other is getting schooled.
1: The mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell.
0: And you're streaming a webinar for work and the latest episode of your favorite show at the same time. Shh. Your Wi-Fi needs to be able to handle it. That's why Xfinity never stops working to bring you faster, more reliable Wi-Fi. So you can do it all, all at the same time. Xfinity the future of awesome. Learn more at Xfinity.com.
1: Epicor is the essential partner to the world's most essential businesses, offering ERP solutions built for growth and operational success. Explore the industry productivity solutions we curate for the automotive, building supply, distribution, manufacturing, and retail industries by visiting epicor.com essential. That's E-P-I-C-O-R slash essential. Welcome to the Boost Podcast with Kelly Leonard. The podcast providing you with immediate access to tools, tips, and tactics to boost your business success, build your brand, optimize relationships, obtain more leads, secure thought leadership space, and tap into new markets. It's the Boost Podcast. And now, here's Kelly Leonard.
2: Hello and welcome to the Boost Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Leonard. As a part of my TV show, The Small Business Network, I recently had the opportunity to interview Michael Leslie Amilcar. She's the CEO of Silver Spring, Maryland-based Cook Ross, a 30-year-old company that partners with Fortune 500 companies to create inclusive leadership and transform cultures. In my conversation with Michael, she shares her very personal account and triumphant journey to occupy a seat at corporate America's table. She also shares practical strategies for courageous business leaders to create diverse, inclusive communities. The heart of this interview intersects all elements of Boost. Build your brand, optimize relationships, obtain more leads, secure thought leadership space, and tap into new markets. Let's listen in.
3: For a lot of folks that are tuning in or who are joining us here in the television studio may not be familiar with Cook Ross. So if you wouldn't mind, just share a bit about the company, its work, and then your journey to become the company's CEO.
4: Thank you so much for having me here today. Um, I am so proud to lead an organization that has as its vision and mission greater equity of opportunity and access for all. So every day we work with clients all over the globe to solve the most critical and complex challenges that they're facing in the areas of inclusion, diversity, equity, and accessibility. We do this through consulting, strategy, education, workshops, and digital solutions. So as you mentioned, uh, we have just celebrated our 30 years, um, founded right here in Silver Spring, Maryland, and it has been um, quite the journey, as you can imagine. Um, The work has changed so much over the years, and there's so much further we have to go. I joined the organization 12 years ago, and it was a privilege to join Howard Ross, our founder, um, who um, really had a vision to really do this work through an organizational development lens. And so to see someone who was thinking about it from a systems base and real change and transformation happening was a real privilege and pleasure. Um, I joined starting off as um, sales and marketing. Mm-hmm. It's a it's an interesting um, story that I think what it was that I saw was the was the mm-hmm. wonderful uh, content and the way of being that this work was being done within. And surprising to say, we're a diversity company and we're actually diverse as an organization. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you'll find that that's not often the case. Right. Um, and so it was um, a dream that we both had um, along with leslie ellen traub um, a consultant herself and howard's wife to really say what could we do beyond the hands hearts and minds of ourselves to take this forward so we began a journey i can't say that i knew that i would actually be the ceo and oftentimes i'm often surprised that i'm in this seat Because it's really the work that really drives me, Mm -hmm. and so when we began scaling and bringing this work to so many more organizations, um, I became a partner in the organization, so when I joined, I was about the fourth employee, and then now we're 40 employees. So it was a conversation of partnership. I didn't really even know what that meant. It was just a part of building. I knew I was an entrepreneur. I actually thought being an entrepreneur meant that I actually had to start it myself. Mm. And so when I would I would have these conversations with them, and I'd say, you know, one day I'm going to leave, start my own business. I said, you know you could stay here and continue this journey and it was a real uh aha and so it's just a real awareness that I think some people think being an entrepreneur always has to mean that you started yourself but you can actually take someone else's vision and and business and take it forward and so that just was all last year and it was an amazing um, journey and I remember the words that Howard said to me which is you know uh, he always says this when asked why did you make Michael partner and he says, um, because she was partner before she became partner. Mm. Um, he saw my heart and mission and passion for this work. You also heard that I'm an adoption advocate. Yeah. And so I am a mother to two children who were not born of me. So I know how mm. to love something that I didn't no. create yeah. and to take it forward. <laughs> yeah. As long as you have shared values and vision, I think we both aligned around that. And here we are taking yeah. ourselves into the next 30 plus years
3: nice awesome Mm -hmm. so one of the things that you said is it's the work that drives you Mm -hmm. so when you think about the work that you do what is it that brings you the greatest amount of satisfaction
4: there's there's so many joyful moments and um, I think especially in what we're experiencing in the world today which is so much discord and so much so much need for courageous conversations across difference that I think the greatest joy which I share with people is really being having the honor and the privilege to listen to what customers are calling us about every single day, really deeply committed to making change happen inside of organizations. I think actually that would be surprising to most. What we see on television are the incidents and the egregious incidents, of course, that then go viral or certainly go widespread and people start to say, see, there's, there's a lot of fear in the world. Yes, there are those acts in the world, but there's so much more That people just aren't aware of that Mm -hmm. people really are seeking difference people are really doing some really extraordinary things both in corporate America nonprofit government agencies higher education they are really making workplaces uh, thrive and that's something that we just don't hear enough about
3: yeah so true so true so our topic today is a seat at the table and you have your own personal (laughs) journey around you know the seat at the table and so what does finding a seat mean to you?
4: So it's a very personal thing for me, as it should be for any leader. I remember I shared my seat at the table uh, story with my team sort of extemporaneously, I wasn't expecting to share it, but it really moved them and it really reminds us that you know, as much as we talk about the quantitative um, data of why this matters, the qualitative is just as important. The stories, the storytelling, and to really listen to what people's stories are. So um, I always say uh, my story began um, at 26 years old. I thought I had made it because I had been was being promoted to the executive ranks at a television broadcasting uh, network in <laughs> Burbank, California. And I walked into that room so excited to be a part of the executive team. Seeing that conference room table a mile long with the high back chairs and reaching out for a chair and being someone saying that seats taken Mm. And then reaching for another. Oh, that seats taken too, and just being confused Mm -hmm. and then ultimately um, the senior vice president for the network walks in and the room falls to a hush and everyone takes their seats And there was no seat for me Mm -hmm. and I stood there really wanting to disappear in the background feeling embarrassed uh, realizing that just in a few moments I went from excitement to confusion to Mm -hmm. real shame and um, she a lovely woman um, who is has been a mentor and a sponsor for me didn't see me at first and was railing about (laughs) the network ratings the night before and then she spots me and she's what are you doing And I just didn't even know what to say. Mm. Um, And I didn't know the rules of, it was a sort of hazing that was happening, but I wasn't aware. And Mm. of course the impact might not have been great if I hadn't been a person who her whole life, because of my identity, had felt like there was something wrong with me being in the room. Mm. And so um, anyway, um, afterwards, um, she pulled me into her office and she says, with all of the, I'm sure, compassion that she could bring. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's not a word that would have been often used for her. (laughs) Um, um, But she sternly said, don't you ever let anyone do that to you again. Don't Mm -hmm. ever. You you earned that seat. You deserve to be here. And so that really worked for me. But I think the lesson that I learned in that is that that might not work for everyone as Mm -hmm. well. Just get in there, you know, and so, um so one I know that feeling of feeling like I didn't belong, mm-hmm. even when I felt like I had earned it, mm-hmm. and so I'm so conscious of who's not at the table, and also even when the voices when the when the person is there, right. you know that they may not have a voice, and so how can we help to draw that out to Prompt uh, the quieter voices and to amplify. Mm -hmm. So when they do say something, let's just look at what Anna or Mark just said and just really amplify it.
3: Wow Mm -hmm. And so as we fast forward to today a bit I'm sure there's been other personal Mm -hmm. hurdles and things that you've had to overcome as you now are kind of at the head of the table although you're so humble and it's like (laughs) no one would ever like right? exactly but I mean it is what it is you're the CEO yes and so what are some of those other personal hurdles that Mm -hmm. you faced along the way Mm -hmm. that brought you to this time and space that you're in now so it's I'm such a builder that's
4: what I love to do I was so happy being the second the right hand I had been that for my whole career so when it was time for me to step forward I was like but does this have to be me um, I actually want to say that um, there was some um, inner work that I needed to do on myself because when I looked around I just didn't I didn't have the experience of seeing a lot of uh, black women CEOs and so there was that that I had to to think about and address I remember I was talking with one of our principal consultants and I said well maybe if we call it something different And so I was trying to come up with these fancy names, you know, you know how they do now. She says, no, we're going to call you CEO. (laughs) You're going to be the CEO. Um, But I think in that, I think what I've learned and actually some really wise counsel that I can make it what I want it to be Mm -hmm. I am me as an authentic CEO so I'm not performing I am going to be the CEO that Michael Leslie can bring forth and guess what it's enough
3: yeah absolutely so talk about some of the inner work because I'm sure some people are curious as to okay what does that look like practically speaking what are some of the things that I should be doing to work on myself as I prepare to progress these different stages in life. It's actually one of the things that we talk to our clients about a lot
4: is that uh, it is so important to do our own work as we are talking about taking others where we want them to go. So we'll, people will say well I don't have bias or I have mm. no issues here. <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> why don't you go and spend some time with your family Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you'll start to see the things and the reactions that might rise up because I think that that is also often a testament when you get around people who really know you Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think for me that my inner work started with you know obviously our founder Howard was was a Proponent of it still is and so this is you know, whether it's leadership sessions or certainly even spiritual sessions uh, Whatever that might look like for people. Uh, there's wonderful um, Landmark education is right. something that I participated in which was extraordinary for me um, Mentoring coaching certainly and and always continuing to ask myself where I was triggered One of the biggest growth areas that I had to do is that about eight years in I realized that socially when I would have events at my home, and I looked around, it was largely 100% African American in my Mm -hmm, home. mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, how can I say that I'm a diversity leader but yet in my social hour there it doesn't look that diverse Mm -hmm. and so I was making up excuses and stories and saying well I don't want to invite this person or that person because maybe they wouldn't feel comfortable and that was just not true and so I said well I'm gonna lean into who I am and just invite everyone and I have to tell you now as you know the events at our home are The most diverse and it is extraordinary how many of our guests come up to us and say that there are very few times where they go somewhere socially where they can see the full spectrum and I'm not just talking about racially and culturally Mm -hmm. uh, through sexual orientation um, certainly gender age it's uh, language and it's beautiful to see and I think it's the actual gift people say I've always met someone new Yeah.
3: yeah yeah and it's so true I mean we do have our own biases and I think For so long, we've been taught that that's kind of like, oh, that's a bad thing. But it's like, okay. That's right. We have to acknowledge and then deal with it. How do we then work through the fact that and recognize that we have a bias? But then how do we work through that to then just be supportive of all the people that we come across with in our lives? I think if we recognize that bias to be
4: biased is to be human um, and that is a natural state um, And that our brain just in order for our brain to function efficiently Mm -hmm. Then we can set aside the isms and the should of's and there's a spectrum There's so much about this world that tries to put things in the binary I certainly experienced that growing up because my mother is Mexican and my father is black I identify as a black woman because that is my experience but I remember that world of you have to say you're something um, so as to make it easier for people and You know it was fine Um, and I just think about how the world is so much more complex and I wish that we could appreciate the complexity that each person
3: brings absolutely Mm -hmm. absolutely so now that you've found your seat at the table and you're building tables do you find that you have a personal responsibility to ensure that everyone or that you're just being more Mm -hmm. conscious about bringing people along in that journey yes absolutely I think that
4: one is to recognize the biggest recognition that I've had is, is that sometimes we have to redesign the table. Mm-hmm. That just bringing someone in the room, but if the room isn't designed for them at all, is not actually going to allow more diversity or access and voice. And so just really thinking about the ways that it could be different. Um, in that way um, and also everyone wants to play a different role when they have a seat at the table not everyone wants the loudest voice and right. so to just really respect that and so to not want it for them to really find out you know, what it is that they want and to support them in the way mm-hmm. and actually when we talk about this work I think that some of the work that we um, veterans and I am calling myself a veteran by the way even though the older veterans will say oh you're just a young kid. Um, but really that I think what we can learn on this journey is that so much of the way we did it before was do it the way that i do it watch Mm -hmm. me and do it this way and i think what we learned from our lives matter movement right these young students were able to bring together in mass um, Mm -hmm. right here to talk about gun control in this nation's capital in a way that was pretty extraordinary and i think what we saw in that example is they led and sort of the adults support it right and so for us to think about how can we do more hand on the back mm-hmm. as opposed to stand behind me because I think if they always are standing behind and then 20 years later you move out the way there's not a lot of newness of ideology and thinking that's coming for
3: so let's talk more about this okay. the practicality like let's say you've got someone who's listening in and they're a leader and they're trying to figure out practically what's one thing that I can do to support um, and give other leaders um, or other people who are coming up through the ranks, I guess, um, their place at the table. What's one practical piece of advice that you might be able to give them in order to be more conscious of their role or their responsibility to make space at that table? Mm -hmm. So to me, the first step of
4: of having a seat at the table or bringing someone to a larger table is to start at a small table. Take someone to lunch, Mm -hmm. have coffee with them, and as the leader, listen to who they are as opposed to sort of talking about what it is that's up for you. Mm Find out what really um, motivates them, find out what really inspires them, find out what they're thinking about next, and then build that trust relationship in that way. So that you can, and you'd be surprised, people lead people who they don't even know. And it's, um, it's extraordinary, you know what can happen if there is a true connection
3: okay and i'm going to invite you all up as you're um asking michael some more questions but if you have a question please feel free to make your way to the microphone in these next um, couple of moments Uh, so one of the things that i want let's twist the story a little now knowing what you know now if you had to give advice to your younger self because of course right now we've sort of focused on okay as A leader what are you practically doing to make space at this table or to create opportunity but what would you tell younger people or a person who simply doesn't have or feels like they don't have a seat at the table what advice would you give to them in order to make that way make that transition to have a space
4: I think that what I wish I had known earlier was that my mentors and sponsors didn't all have to look like me Mm. That in fact, having a diverse spectrum of mentors and sponsors, and often as a person of color, actually seeking out um, a, a white woman or a white male who has a whole different social network, sometimes a whole different professional network, can actually do more to reflect and to advance and to make a connection that I never would have been able to make. Mm. I found that out
3: a little late. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> it's all good. It's good. Better late than never. That's right. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. First question. Hi. Hi, I'm Sylvia Henderson. Mind Team Solutions is the company. Something you said about uh, being doing everything or thinking you have to do everything. As solo business owners we claim we claim CEO as chief everything officer. <laughs> That's right. That's what right. maybe one question did you ask yourself or one action did you take for your inner work that you can give us advice on to do to help solo business owners move to becoming true CEOs and do only the things that true CEOs need to do, even in our own businesses? Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, that's a really great question, and there's I've had to ask myself that along several stages um, of the journey. So one piece of inner work is really to get clear about what your strengths are and what your strengths are not. And certainly I started my career at NBC and at that time it was led by Jack Welch uh, a GE who always had the famous line to say I don't have to know the answer I just need to find the person who has the answer and so that you know philosophy of Working with people doesn't have to be hiring because sometimes you don't have the ability to hire But if you know that there's an area of weakness that you have to really partner uh, Partnerships are so important Mm -hmm. um, and to be able to convene with people whether through a mastermind group or the like to be able to work on the things that we know So you have to do some real truth-telling to yourself about what you know you're great at and what you may not be not to not to always, of course, we should always be working towards greater strength, but to really think, and that there's so much more joy also in having the inclusive minds mm-hmm. coming together to work out a problem, mm-hmm. you're
3: welcome, so let's. Rewind a little bit Mm -hmm. to one of the things that you said um, around um, advice that you would give to your younger Mm -hmm. self and this whole notion of um, your mentors or sponsors don't Mm -hmm. have to look like you. And I think that the challenge is, is that oftentimes we gravitate towards what we're familiar to, right? And so what would you, what strategy or what guidance would you give to someone who's like, okay, yeah, I understand what you're saying in terms of, um, you know, seeking out those people who perhaps are unlike me, but how do people get comfortable? Because I think it all comes down to like trust oftentimes. Sure. Like if I don't trust a person, or if I'm unfamiliar with them, their journey, their story. So how would we go about sort of reducing or eliminating those barriers or building trust In those spaces with people who perhaps we don't feel like we have anything in common Mm -hmm. with
4: yeah i think you start by watching and looking at the the scene it could be in your own business or in your own company or at networking events you can see people who seem open and warm and receptive to certain things you know start small uh we talked about the leader inviting someone out to breakfast Mm -hmm. lunch or coffee but to do the same, to yeah. say, could I have coffee with you? And to really seek it is, is to not take that opportunity to then make an ask, mm-hmm. because th- there shouldn't to me be an ask at that very first meeting. It is to say, you know, I, I simply want to learn. I simply want to find out if there's something I can do for you. I've always been, mm-hmm. yeah. that always takes me aback when right. someone says, I just want to know how I can help you further. It's like, wow, I, I want to give back. Right. So I think that that's where it is. And also, uh, you can start with if you have a direct manager, mm-hmm or several leaders in the organization there's nothing about there's, to me I've always just been prepared I've it's nothing wrong with that actually having a question written out telling a person I don't want to take up too much time so saying can I have 15 minutes as opposed mm-hmm. to just can I have some time really anchors and allows somebody to really give impact in a very small way yeah. and if you don't feel it move on I mean yeah. you know there's so many others
3: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. next question Michael when your team goes into organizations, mm-hmm. is there a consistent blind spot that you're seeing across the board that you guys know like, hey, this is the first area we need to look for or look at? And if so, what is it?
4: So, yes. So one of the things that we notice is is that a lot of people tend to think that uh, education diversity workshops or diversity training is going to be the answer. And so you've seen the articles, diversity training doesn't work we love to walk into rooms and say guess what diversity training doesn't work we know but the uh, the truth is is that diversity training alone doesn't work and so if you're not addressing some of the organizational biases, system structures that are in place that actually inhibit growth, development, and advancement for all, then just putting people through a training or workshop isn't going to be the sole answer. And so it's it's okay to start there, and often it's an appropriate place to start, as long as we're talking about what is the holistic that we're going to be going in from a system space to deal with. And so we—we we, it's a, it may be a blind spot, but organizations are ready for it um, and are so open to having that conversation, they just don't have appropriate partners at times to help them build an appropriate strategy that can help it from a change management perspective.
3: And do you mainly see that at the top levels or mid-level, lower level?
4: We always say it's the leaders that are the ones that largely have the impact on what the culture of an organization is. We certainly do, do work with um, all levels of an organization, including individual contributors, but I do believe that people who lead have the enormous impact in an organization and that's where we should start. Awesome.
3: Thank you. Mm -hmm. Next question.
4: Thank you very very much for your talk. It very much resonates with me. My name is Sarita Arbel and I'm the Executive Director for BNI. It's a networking organization. I would love to hear more about your organization and to learn more what it is that you do exactly and how you can support the community, because I absolutely believe that diversity is very important and would love to know more. Sure. So, that's a big question. We do so much, um, but I can just share a little bit more about how it works. Um, So organizations, we've been doing this for 30 years. We started off largely in healthcare. Um, and has since grown from there because if you walk into any healthcare setting it's immediate diversity right, right. when you walk in socioeconomic language, certainly um, the power dynamics that's another piece of work we do around power dynamics in an organization, power and privilege, uh, inclusive leadership um, and the like. And so that's one that's one pathway. Um, another one is we do consulting, assessment, and strategy work with organizations. That is what I just said to the, to the previous person, to just actually sit down and what is, where is the vision of what it is that you want to create? What is the idealized workplace? And where are we now? And so that involves doing an assessment. Uh, usually organizations, depending on their size, already have a lot of data. They do engagement surveys. They have a lot of uh, information around attrition. So we look at the data, do analysis there, um, and then put together a a plan, a learning path, if you will, so that they can... Have And achieve the outcomes that they're seeking we do a lot of workshops and training This is not to minimize the the importance of that. It's just not It's just can't be the solo course And so whether it's around bias uh, a lot of organizations you hear it on the news I, when I joined the Ross, Nobody was saying bias in workplace. It was Howard Ross who began to first talk about bias as it relates to the workplace. Obviously, unconscious bias is not a new term. It's a long-standing term for psychology, and it was just relating it to what's happening in an organization. So we do a lot of that. I think the difference is, is are you doing just awareness, um, or are you doing skill building? And what we're focusing on is skill building. So how can I see bias in action and mitigate it in the moment? as opposed to it's great to just have a keynote about what is bias but if people are left with not the tools to know what to do with it afterwards it's a great speech but it doesn't actually play out in terms of change behavior inside of an organization and then there's products that we're developing i I know we said we're only 40 people right this sounds like a lot that we're doing (laughs) we do have an extensive uh, consultant um, contract partners that we work with around the country and around the globe and so I'm always saying if if you know people who are interested in this work who are practitioners themselves we believe in a network um, so that we can't do the work all ourselves and so we're always looking for great people um, I'm privileged to say that there's a few of you in the room here today and that's and that's and we share with each other um, because we don't have all the answers if We did, and we don't promise our clients to have all the answers. We're going to be partnered together to attempt to address the issues that are germane to your organization.
3: Awesome. Thank you. Michael, this has been amazing. Thank you so so much for just letting us glimpse into the window of the journey that you took um, to claim your seat at the table. Thanks again for tuning in to the Boost Podcast. I hope what you heard today will help you to build your brand optimize relationships, obtain more leads, secure thought leadership space, and tap into new markets. If you liked what you heard, please don't forget to share the podcast with your family and your friends. And while you're at it, don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast. For more information on me or any of the other services that we provide, feel free to head over to our website, kellytleonard.com. I look forward to catching up with you again on the next episode of The Boost Podcast.
0: Your home is more connected than ever. So when one kid is schooling the competition, Got it. the other is getting schooled.
1: The mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell.
0: And you're streaming a webinar for work and the latest episode of your favorite show at the same time. Shh. Your Wi-Fi needs to be able to handle it. That's why Xfinity never stops working to bring you faster, more reliable Wi-Fi. So you can do it all, all at the same time. Xfinity, the future of awesome. Learn more at Xfinity.com.
1: Epicor is the essential partner to the world's most essential businesses. Offering ERP solutions built for growth and operational success. Explore the industry productivity solutions we curate for the automotive, building supply, distribution, manufacturing and retail industries by visiting epicor.com/essential. That's e p i c o r.com/essential.